0: turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This is a series on the gospel, the good news. And uh, how the gospel, the good news, affects our life, how it impacts us, how we're changed by it, and how we're to respond to it. Um, We many times think of the gospel as a belief system, which it is, but at the same time, the gospel is a person, Uh, the Word made flesh. And that's what we want to look at today is really the priority of this kingdom news. In Luke 2, the angel, as you remember, says to the shepherds, today we lit the shepherd's candle, do not be afraid. Uh, I bring you what? Good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. This is beyond good news. This is beyond great news. This is unbelievable news. Uh, And at times, I, I don't know how to use words at times to talk about the impact that this should have on every single one of our lives. Probably the greatest news in the history of all humanity is that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us that god became a man and when we look at the new testament and some of us have been in church so long this just kind of it just kind of washes over us without the impact that i think at times it should how it should change our hearts and change our lives and change the very priority of our of our being. I was talking to uh, my youngest daughter um, who's in school right now and she's she was taking a class on medical ethics where they were this week she had a class where they were teaching them how to deliver bad news. How do you how do you give news to families of patients? And so she was calling me to say, hey, what, what do you think of this approach on delivering bad news? And it was, it's pretty much you feed forward and then you deliver the news without, you just get out of the way. You deliver the news. It's pretty direct the way they were teaching them. Kind of like, uh, Miss So-and-so, I have bad news. You you have cancer. Or Miss So-and-so, I have bad news. You, Someone has passed away. It, it's pretty direct. It's not very, and I told her, you know, that I found that, Honestly, for when I've had to deliver bad news, that that's been pretty much the approach. And then I told her this joke that I heard hundred years ago uh, about this drill sergeant who got a telegram that one of, his, um, one of the people under his command, her, his mother had died. So he called the whole battalion out. he's got them all lined up, and he, he yells out, "Smith, your mother! She's dead!" And his captain heard him, and the captain comes and says, "Sergeant, you cannot deliver bad news like that. You have to soften the blow. You've got to let him know, and then, then, you deliver. But it can't be done like that." About a month later, another one of his uh, people passed. His mother, the mother of one of his people, passed away. Calls the whole battalion out. He says to him, "Everyone." whose mother is still alive. Take a step forward. Smith, not so fast. (laughs) I know it's terrible, isn't it? Thanks. (laughs) I think I heard that in junior high the first time. I've known that joke for a long time and it never gets any better. (laughs) How do you deliver news? How do you share this good news? How do you share bad news? What is the method by which you're going to give this news? In John chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. What, what light? The light of Jesus. In verse 1 through 5, you, you, you get this first introduction to Jesus, the word becoming flesh, the light of the world, and then it quickly transitions to talk about John the Baptist. John the Apostle, who's writing the letter of John, quickly introduces by verse 6, John the Baptist. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that comes to every man was coming into the world. So, here's what I want to talk about. How does this good news that we've been given, that we receive, that we walk in, how does that good news spread? What method has God chosen to spread the good news to the world around us? And I think this speaks to the priority of who we are, and this good news. So here's the first point. And it's all going to be here from John chapter 1. But the first point is this. We are sent by God. We are sent by God. In verse 6, as I said, uh, you get this intro. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. It's incredible to me. How quickly John is introduced, John the Baptist, is introduced in all the Gospels. Uh, If you think about it, last week we looked at Mark 1, and it starts off right from the start with John the Baptist. In the Gospel of Luke, you have the birth announcement really beginning um, Luke. Uh, John the Baptist, Elizabeth, Zacharias, the announcement that he's going to be born. Now, Matthew, you you don't get it for like three chapters. You get the whole birth narrative, but then you get John the Baptist pretty quick. Here in John chapter 1, pretty much by the sixth verse, you've got an introduction on John the Baptist. It makes you think John the Baptist must have been a big deal. You know what I mean? He's introduced so quickly in all the Gospels... And by the way, gospel, again, means good news. In these four books, we have the, 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 we call them the gospels, the good news. Why is this such a big deal? There's probably a lot of theories, but one of them for me is this. I mean, think about how God could have chosen to share the good news with the world. My son is coming. He could have written it in clouds. You know, I mean, he could have had angels, which he did to the shepherds proclaim it. But beyond that, didn't use angels to proclaim it widely. How has God chosen to share this unbelievable news with all of humanity? He's chosen other humans. He's chosen us to witness, to be sent by him to share the good news. Uh, and this is really important because it, it's not, sometimes in church, I don't know about you, but sometimes in church, I get this attitude, not this church, but in other churches, you know, them, um, in other churches at times, just the church as a whole, um, this like, I've got mine and I'm good. Kind of like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. I've got mine. I'm safe. Rather than. The fact that when Jesus comes, we become witnesses to what has transpired in our lives. We are sent by him. Listen, I, I know that everyone, uh, everyone is terrified of witnessing. Pretty much, any, it's pretty general throughout Christianity, the thought of what if I share Jesus and they ask a question, a theological question I can't answer. What, what, I, I don't know every single answer. I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know the original languages. But what if they asked me about the guy in Africa who's never heard the gospel? Is he going to heaven or hell? What if they asked me if God can make a rock so big he can't lift it? What if, you know, we, we just get inundated with these questions that we think, if I don't have the answer to it, I'm not going to share because I might put myself out there. Listen, to be a witness means this. I have a story to tell. And every single person in this room has a story to tell. You're right. You don't know all the answers. And neither do I. I don't have them all. None of us do. But what I can tell you is this. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was this, but now I'm transformed. I'm a witness. As a result, there's not a person in this room who's not sent by God. We are all sent by him. Now, we are sent to different places. Some of you may be sent to a school. Some of you may be sent to uh, your place of work, wherever that might be. Some of you are sent to your families, to your children, to your husband, to your wife. But every single one of us is sent to bear witness to the truth that we have been transformed by him. Here are the ramifications, I think, of this. First... We need to be alert to the possible call, and I, don't, I shouldn't use the word prop, possible, to the call of God on our lives. Because every single one of us is called in some sense. If you've been transformed by the gospel, you're part of the family of faith, then you've been called to witness. In the sense of share your story of a transformed life. Now, here's the reason we're afraid of witnessing. We're afraid of witnessing because the only model we have of it is like intruding on people. Like, I'm going to walk up to some stranger I've never seen before in all of my life and say, if you died tonight and stood before God and he asked, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Something along those lines. Or as some of our children are apt to do, because they're so, Miss Kathy is teaching them so well, they'll go to school and tell their classmates they're going to hell. (laughs) Not in a bad, you know, not in the sense of like, go to hell, but like, in the sense of like, oh, you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. You know, we think that's our form of witnessing and what it's got to be to share, but really sharing What Christ has done in your life and how you've been transformed, and even how you screwed up, and he's loved you nonetheless. That's the form of sharing your story with the people around you. Uh, You know, Jesus um, says this to his followers He says, uh, Pray the Lord of the harvest, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. He's talking about evangelism here, and he's talking to who? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his guys. And he's saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers into the harvest. And part of what he's saying is, pray for yourself to be sent. You are part of the harvesters. In other words, sometimes in church life we say, oh, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into the harvest field. Anybody but me. Kind of thing. Let them go. Let them be sharing their faith. Let them open up an opportunity for somebody to share what Jesus is. But when you pray, pray the Lord of the harvest, you're saying, God, show me my harvest field. Show me my sphere of influence. Show me where I can go into the world and make a difference. And every single one of you has what we call, and the Bible, I think, calls a sphere of influence. You have an arena in your life. And every one of us has that different sphere, that different arena that we're called to to harvest. And here's the other thing. Uh, Here's another verse. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Oh, yeah, well, that's good because I'm not a preacher. We think of this, oh, Bart's a preacher. Gabriel's a preacher. Scott's a preacher. Miss Kathy's a preacher. I'm not a preacher. No, you're every single one of you a preacher. Everyone here is a minister. Every single one of you is a missionary. Every one of you is an evangelist in the sense of called to share your faith. And you're like, I'm not sure I like this church that much. No, no, no. That's not, that's not this church. That is the call of God on us as followers of Jesus Christ. We are sent by God, every single one of us. If we follow Jesus, we follow him. We're sent by him. Here's the second implication. It's this. Be ready and open to hear the testimony from others that are sent to you. You know what? That's the. Are you with me? You're following the idea. Listen, it's not just about what I get to tell people. It's it's what I get to receive. When we come to church, we're receiving. We're receiving in all various forms the gospel, the good news, and how it imp- all its implications in our lives. We're sent by God. Second point is this. We're we're to deny ourselves. We're to deny ourselves, meaning we give up our own. This is not about me. Uh, This is a a continuation of one of the points I made last week. But uh, if you're like me, I've already forgotten last week. So I'm reminding you of this truth that we have to deny ourselves. Look what happens with John. This is skipping down to verse 19. So I'll read you 6 through 9. Then, so it starts with Jesus, the light of the world, and all the theological implications of the word being flesh. Then it comes, introduces John, talks about his witness. And then in John 1, it comes back and discusses Jesus some more. And then it comes back to John uh, the Baptist. So here's what it says in verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. So uh, I'm going to read on it with this, but just get the setting. John's out by the Jordan River. He's baptizing people. Thousands are coming. Thousands. I mean, there have been estimates that a quarter of a million people came out to see John. I mean, we don't have any idea, but thousands came out to see him. So the. Those entrusted, so at least in their minds, with the spiritual life of the nation come out to say, hey, who is this guy baptizing? Who does he think he is? Who, who, is, he, is he claiming to be the Christ, the, the, the anointed one, the Messiah? So they're sent, and pr- they probably don't have very good motives, by the way, as they come out, <coughs> excuse me, to... Um, To talk to him. But he freely says, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. This is a confusing passage for some. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to comment it. Then they say, are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said to him, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So John is getting the quiz on who he is. Are you the Christ? Are you the anointed one? Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? And he says no. Now, we know in other passages that he's called, like, in the spirit of Elijah. But John is being honest and saying, no, I'm I'm not Elijah. And then they ask him... Are you the prophet? Now, this prophet comes from the book of Deuteronomy. It's spoken about Moses, and it's talking about this one who's going to come and prophesy. And John, it, 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 there's a lot of background, but John is saying, no, that's not who I am. And, and here's... I, I don't know all the ramifications of why John is saying this, but I do know this. What John is saying is, I don't want to draw attention to me. I want to deny myself. I... He goes on, when they say, who are you? John replied to the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. So there is a certain understanding on John's part of who he is, that he's this precursor to the Messiah, but he's this, he's this voice. Again, one of the things that disturbs me about Christianity in its form as we see around the world is there seems to be a lack of denial of self in the overall schematic of the way Christianity is drawn up. As a matter of fact, we have drawn up a whole form of Christianity that says this, hey, come to Jesus and you're going to get health your future is assured and god has promised to make you prosperous it's 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 an aspect of a kingdom now or prosperity doctrine or a doctrine of of, of not sacrifice but of getting this promise that you come to jesus and you get now i've been on a number of mission trips and it, it was really uh, propagated the most that i've ever seen when um when when television started embracing the gospel. Because on television, it takes a lot of money to keep it going, so you got to figure out some hook to kind of get people to keep giving money, and so this seemed like a great way. Hey, give money, sow seeds into the kingdom of my ministry, and then God will bless you greatly. It's a promise of God. I'll go back to the Old Testament, cast your bread upon the water, and it'll come back. Sow seeds of faith, and faith will be given to you. It's a taking of an essential of a, a part of the good news and warping it because it's, it's outside of the framework of a denial of self. Whenever we refuse to deny ourselves, we turn into takers, not givers. And honestly, I've seen the prosperity doctrine infiltrate some of the most remote regions of the world. Because television is a curse. <laughs> I'll just say it. But I watch it. Uh, but it's still a curse. It just is everywhere. Sometimes on mission trips, I've spent the greatest amount of my time coming against the American prosperity doctrine. Because it doesn't actually preach well in a remote village in Africa. It does preach well because everybody wants, oh, I can get out of this. I can. It preaches well, but the only ones propped up by it are the preachers themselves. And as a result, I think it does great damage to the kingdom of God. So therefore, we want to... This is Christianity, basic Christianity 101. Take up your cross and follow me. We are to deny ourselves. When Jonathan Edwards, he preached an ordination service for a a young man, and it was in August of 1744, and he used a passage about John the Baptist which says this, he was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. That's in uh, John 5, 35. And he used that to talk about, hey, here is, this is you. You are, you're, a, a burn, you're to be a burning and shining lamp. That's what you are. You are not the light. You're just a reflection of the light. You're a lamp to the world to draw people to Jesus. Back in the days when Billy Graham was preaching, he would go from city to city and preach. And he had a, a very complicated um, system of how to, how to prepare a city. Then he'd come in with a crusade, and then he had follow-up. And one of the people who would go before him was um, actually a friend relation, Leighton Ford, would go before him and do the prep work and preach. And sometimes Billy Graham would slip in. He was so famous even at that time. He would slip in kind of incognito and sit in the crowd of the the prepared, what they were doing, tilling the ground, so to speak. Um, And so one time Leighton Ford was preaching and um, Billy Graham slipped into the crowd and he uh, saw a guy in front of me, and he, he was Billy Graham. So he's always going to take the opportunity to share his faith. So Layton Ford gave an invitation for people who wanted to receive people, receive Jesus, to come forward. So Billy Graham taps on the guy's shoulder in front of him, an older man, and says, hey, if you want to receive Jesus, I'll walk to the front with you right now. Just kind of laying, laying himself You know, that's what he did, denied him. And the guy turned to him and said, you know, I do want to receive Jesus, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow night when the big gun shows up. In, In other words, when Billy Graham is there to preach not even knowing that it was Billy Graham tapping him on the shoulder, asking if he wanted to... And Billy Graham and Leighton Ford laughed about this but cried about it at the same time, that people thought that the only way to, to share their faith or to receive Christ was when the big gun showed up. We are all... We're just all reflections of the light. But to understand that, we have to... We have to deny ourselves, which leads really to the third point, an understanding that we are servants. We are servants. Do you know, it's so funny to me that we, we don't really follow this whole servant thing very well. And as a matter of fact, we very seldom think of ourselves as servants. But we're not afraid to confess that Jesus is Lord, right? So in that is the implication... He is the Lord, we're the servant, right? He's the Lord, we're, yes? Are you with me? So when you say Jesus is Lord, what you're really saying is I'm a servant of his. But many of us, we don't think of it like that because we want to be in charge. We're Americans, right? I'm, I'm, I, serve, I serve God and country, but really I serve me. This is all about me. so, so we've got that, we've got that in us, and if we don't battle it, we don't understand. hey, we've got to deny ourselves and understand that we are servants of the most High God. There came a man who was sent from God, His name was John. he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might might believe. there's this understanding of John's that he is not a big gun that he's a servant. He serves God. And to do that, I'm going to lead to the fourth point. I'm not going to comment on that very, I think it's understandable. We're to maintain absolute surrender. In other words, if we're going to deny ourselves, if we're going to serve God, if we're going to know we're sent by God, then to do that, we have to maintain a position of absolute surrender all the time. This is hard for all of us. This is challenging for all of us. Why? Because sometimes I just want to do what I want to do. You know what? To surrender means I don't get to do all the time what I want to do. It means I'm in a constant state of trying to hear from God about what I should be doing. I'm surrendering my life to him. Now, I know this sounds like uh, it's such a basic sermon in the sense of it's a basic idea about hey we're sent from god we're, we're we're to sacrifice ourselves we're to deny ourselves and we're to serve him by surrendering let me just say yes simple impossible simple but so challenging because when you leave this place I don't know about you, but as soon as I leave this place, I don't start thinking about what God would have me do. I almost never say, God, where would you have me go to lunch? You know, anything like that. So there are occasions I'll say, I'll be really spiritual, and I'll say, God, who do you want me to go to lunch with? You know, (laughs) afterwards, like, like my lunch after this is an opportunity for me to minister. But really, very seldom even that. Why? Because... It is so difficult to live in a position of surrender before God. It is so hard. We're, we're thinking about ourselves and what's going to meet our needs. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why do you baptize if you're not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He's they're, they're saying, I'm, not, I'm just a voice. And then they were just saying, well, who gives you the authority to baptize? Why are you baptizing this baptism of repentance if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? By the way, they, they had a misunderstanding of theology, but w- whatever, in their world, they felt like they were protecting God. So... Hang with me just one second. I'll try not to dwell here too long. But in the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders' minds, there is God who gave his word, and we're the brokers for that word to the world. And so we're going to protect the word. We're going to protect God, and we're going to do it in such a way that nobody comes into this territory. As a matter of fact, we're not going to let anybody do anything outside of our given realm. And, and let's just, I'm going to, you know what? God doesn't like those people, so I'm not going to like those people. God hates them, I'm going to hate them. God sir, does this to them. And, and let me just say that the church also is picked up on times like this. We are protectors of God. As a matter of fact, you're not. You're a servant of God. God can protect his self. I mean, he can take care of himself. We are—we want to be honest to the word. We want to, to, to understand the word. We want to live in the word. But we are not protected. We're servants of the most high God. That's our calling. And to do it means we deny ourselves and follow after, follow after him. It goes on and says, John does. I baptize with water, Jesus, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John recognized his position of absolute surrender in the light of Jesus. He's a witness. He's a voice. He's one calling out in the desert. He's one pointing people to Jesus. And I think this, this, again, what I'm trying to help us understand is the priority of the gospel. In other words, how does the gospel affect us so that it becomes the priority of our lives? And and, and the points are simple. We're sent to proclaim. Every single one of us are proclaimers of the gospel. We're to deny ourselves. We, we we're to keep the attitude that we are servants of His and we are totally surrendered. What I want you to do is take a moment and examine, is this the way I really live my life? Is this really the priorities of my life? I, I'm not saying that in that you do absolutely nothing else. But what I am saying is that everything you do is put under the authority of this. So if you're a student, you're a student. Do the, whatever you put your hand to, do it to the best of your ability. That's, that's a kingdom mentality, but at the same time to know, hey, in that, I'm a by the way I live my life and the way I speak, I'm a proclaimer of the good news. I'm a witness. One who testifies to a changed life. I want to deny myself. I want to serve God, and I want to be surrendered to him. It's why John could say, in John 3, he could could say about Jesus, he must become greater, I must become less. And this should really be our prayer every moment of every day. Let Jesus so become light and life and good news in my life that he's getting greater and I'm getting less. John is put into prison. People ask Jesus about John. And he says, what did you go into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? By the way, we know he wasn't dressed in fine clothes, right? That's not what he wore. No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is, about the one, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And Jesus is giving John credit where John wouldn't even take credit. He's, he's giving him the, the position And he even goes on and says this, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Wow. What an exaltation of the life of John, right? Among those born of women, well, that would be everybody, right? That's everyone. Everyone's born of a woman. No one is greater. I mean, really, that's pretty exalted company if you think about it. Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, I mean, there are a lot, David. Here's the kicker. And I'm not sure you really believe this about yourself. He goes on and says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. By the way, that's you. He's saying, you have that same anointing You have that same potential as God's kingdom citizens. Many of us think, oh, I think Jesus is just talking in hyperbole. He doesn't really mean this. I believe he does mean it because you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, You follow the resurrection of Jesus. You follow the ascension of Jesus. You follow the outpouring of the Spirit. You have greater things. Potential within you. If we will follow God's kingdom. Mindset and priority. Listen, I... I, I know the challenges here in the sense of saying, how do we live out this life? Here's how I think we live it out. Just one step. When you come to the table of the Lord, you are saying, he must become greater, I must become less. You're saying, it's by his blood shed on the cross for me that I have spiritual life. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I don't do anything to make my way in. He did it for me. When you take the bread, you're taking this bread that's saying, his body was broken for me. Now, I'm a part of something even greater, the body of Christ. His broken body made me, who was broken, one in the body of Christ. This is a proclamation of his death, his first advent and what he did, proclaiming that until he returns. And it's proclaiming that the good news is in me and works its way out from inside of me. Here's here's what I hope someone will stand up and say at my funeral, There was a man sent from God. His name was Bart. And for me, that will be good enough. And I hope that that's what people will say about you. There was a woman sent from God. Her name. Because that's who you are. That's who every single one of us is. By the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we place it as a priority in our lives. We're going to come to the table of the Lord, and I want to encourage you right now to hear from him. Prepare to receive what God wants to do in your life, because when you come and take this bread, and you come and take this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes, and think about all the things that means for you, that you're in life, that you're a voice, you're a proclaimer. You're being sent. You're sacrificing yourself. You're denying yourself, and you're surrendering to him. Lord, I pray that this morning that we will receive all that you have for us this morning as we come to this table. Lord, we want to be a kingdom people. We want to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Thank you for the example of John who could have been a big deal, and really was, but saw himself as a servant, as a reflection of the light. Gave his life, even. Because he proclaimed this message in such a way that it offended people. Lord, we don't mean to be offensive, but we know that the gospel is. And may we have the courage to share it with the world around us. Lord, we thank you. Meet us here. For those who need healing, I pray, as they come to the table of the Lord, they'll be made well. For those who need wisdom, that God, as they come to the table of the Lord, Spirit of God, you'd meet them and give them direction. For those who need freedom, even, God, break the chains that are binding them. Lord, we ask that you meet us here and that you do all that you desire to do in this moment. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new to fullness and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not be a member of fullness, but you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're invited to come to the table of the Lord. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can either stay where you are or you can come and just receive a blessing. Just let uh, one of the people who are going to give the elements just speak a blessing over you. Um, Whatever you may, you may choose. This is a proclamation of the death of Christ and all it means to us until he returns. Middle sections, you can come down the outside aisle outside sections down the outside aisle. If you would take the elements and then return to your seat, we'll, we'll take them all together as a sign of unity in just a moment. Come to the table of the Lord.